0: hey what's going on everyone welcome back to the podcast here and uh thank you as always for joining me we've got uh, tons of information to cover this week uh we've got the fed minutes we've got pce numbers we've got gdp revisions we've got everything that is going on in the market we got uh, a lot of stocks that have been uh taking a rise up a good amount of them going down and that s p is also falling we've had uh uh, I think we had a turnaround yesterday on Thursday, but as I am recording on Friday, we are back in the negative. So we're going to talk about what's going on out there, why there's this downward pressure all of a sudden, and uh, you know, really where we can kind of hide out. And uh, I've talked about that before, but I'm kind of seeing two different camps of people that uh, you've either got, um, you know, people looking to stay in cash or people really looking to be invested. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. And uh, make a note here to to go ahead and circle back to that. But um, yeah, so first off, I did want to say a big thank you to uh, Brad Bathgate, Bathgate Construction, for stopping by last episode and uh, talking about his uh, viewpoint on you know what's going on in the world, what's going on with the economy, uh, how this season is looking compared to the past, and also um, kind of circling back to that uh, housing crisis, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, kind of comparing some different. Uh, uh, things from those two uh, different time periods. So we're, we're trying to make heads or tails of what's going on out there, ultimately what businesses are doing. And I think that PCE kind of paints somewhat of a picture as to what's going on out there. So I guess we can start with that. We uh, we are seeing that these numbers are surging, the highest that they uh, were since June. So uh, basically the, the Fed's uh, Preferred inflation gauge is the PCE, and it it is rising at that fastest rate. So that is a sign that uh, price pressures are remaining entrenched in the economy, and uh, it could lead to the Fed keeping these rate uh, hikes going and for a more sustained period. For uh, you know, higher for longer, pretty much is what we're worried about. And uh, I think that does play a little bit on a uh, little bit on the stock market, but. Uh, a lot on the real estate, a lot on that housing number. And uh, the Fed kind of came out in their minutes and basically said just that. They said, and I'm going to try to read uh, pretty much right what they had said, um, that the they did an update on the assessment of the stability of the U.S. market. They said it was a moderate, uh, moderate economic vulnerabilities. So nothing is drastic right now. There are some vulnerabilities. There are some potential problems. But uh, the markets, you know, the S&P is a bit high. That was uh, their next comment. They said the asset valuation pressures remained notable, uh, which is basically saying that the wealth effect is still there. You know, we've still got people feeling that they can go out and spend. We still have that excess money in the system. People have been saving more. They they revised that number up, I think another $105 billion, uh, that U.S. savings household rate over the uh, expectation last year. Quarter, I believe, was $755 billion. Don't quote me, but I believe it was off by another 100 plus billion dollars. So people are still saving, but uh, ultimately they still feel like they have enough wealth to survive. Uh, so now the third point that I wanted to get to was that uh, measures of values in residential and commercial uh, real estate remained high and potential for large declines in property prices remained greater than usual. Okay, that is the thing that is really catching my eye here. We've got uh, potential for large declines that the Fed is calling in residential and commercial real estate. And that's after we've had, uh, you know, pretty much 10% across the board and uh, 20% in some of those markets that were heavily inflated. The ones that everyone was kind of running to in, uh, in Texas, and in Florida, some of those are, uh, you know, definitely ran up massively. And even Las Vegas, some of those prices ran up uh, just drastically, and now they're they're cutting back down. So we still have these big declines. That's what the Fed is really looking at. So they aren't necessarily looking to go after the uh, the stock market with these uh, higher rates. I think the stock market is concerned about just being blindsided by uh, you know larger rate hikes than what we're expecting. But um, you know, these 25, 50 basis points are forecasted, you know, stay on the path. I think that is fine for the market, which a lot of people don't really think of it like that. They normally think of higher rates means bad for the market, you know, that they're, they're gonna have a harder time making money with rates being higher. But this is an interesting situation, right? We had a lot of stock sell-off. We're kind of going through the cycle of coming back up higher now from some of the de- you know, depressed numbers that we had in 22. And the real estate market really wasn't doing that at the time. There was still a buying boom in 22. So now, uh, you know, that being said, the the rates were also, what, two and a half, you know, right under 3% uh, this time last year. And now we're close to 7%. So, uh, yes, we're going to see that uh, decline in real estate right now. So basically, the thing that I'm watching right now is... um, the real estate market. I'm definitely thinking that that still has some room to go down. The Fed is outlying that. Um, I don't think we're going to get these massive rate hikes. I think that is what the stock market is worried about. They're worried about the Paul Volcker moments where we just slam the door on inflation. We throw the rates up through the roof and just crush everything. I think what our current situation is, we're doing these little uh, stairways higher in those Fed interest rates in order to bring the market back down, but also your remaining the real estate uh, mortgage rates are going to remain higher for longer. And I think that is going to have this uh, negative effect on real estate. So um, that's kind of gets me back to that, uh, that two camps of what are people doing? I think you've got the camp that still sees that uh, um, things are going to be rough. Things are going to, you know, that wealth effect is going to diminish as uh, rates go higher. You're not going to get people doing a cash out refi if rates go to 8%. And you're, you know, you're coming from a place of three or four percent. I don't think anyone's going to do that unless they necessarily have to. Uh, so, you've got uh, people that want to stay in cash, right? They want to stay in cash. Cash is king, or they want to stay in bonds. That's that's kind of group number one, right? So, people want to be able to buy any big dips in the market, or they think it's safer than uh, than being in. Uh, some different stocks right now, and I, I can tend to agree with that. You know, there's there's definitely some safety in having some cash. So I'm kind of a mixture of these two groups. But uh, the the other side of this equation is people that still want to be in stocks. They're not happy with that four percent return. The opportunity cost of having your money in uh, bonds at four percent could uh, easily be outweighed by having the right uh, group of stocks. Right. So. I think now these people that want to be in stocks and want to get more than that four or five percent return on uh, you know the treasury bills or bonds, they're looking for a lot of safety, right? I don't think we're finding it in the spy, uh, in the SP, SPY or S and P 500, whatever kind of index you're looking at there. I think what we need to be looking at is a lot of the stocks that. Uh, are going to be in the right place at the right time, that were on the downtrend of 22, that have a lot of free cash flow, high free cash flow, uh, cash on the books, and uh, they're looking in those places that are really in demand right now. We're looking at AI, we're looking at autonomous, we're looking at automotive, uh, You know, some of the different energy stocks, maybe not some of the large oil, I think a lot of those ran up too much, but uh, a lot of those consumer staple stocks that are in the S&P 500 that have it Uh, at an over median valuation right now. Uh, I don't really know that I want to be in, right? Well, I kind of talked about that last time. I really didn't want to be buying McDonald's because of the valuation is too high. The price to sales is too high. Um, And also I want to throw in uh, stocks that have extremely strong pricing power uh, to where they can raise the the price and people are just going to go along with it. And uh, a lot of the consumer staples, I don't know that they have that, right? You've got, uh, you know, a company like McDonald's. They could easily go out and have, you know, a burger somewhere else. They can make something at home. There's a a lot of different options. And uh, first off, you're you're really only going to McDonald's for convenience and, uh, you know, a cheaper meal. So for that standpoint, I don't know that I want to buy a name like McDonald's going into uh, a recession um, when you probably should have been buying it last year. That is my kind of take on it, right? We could have been buying this one cheaper. And now that it has been run up, everyone's piled into this one. Uh, now that everyone's on the boat, it almost seems like there's too many people on the boat. We're going to start sinking this thing. So it's not that I will sell out of my McDonald's position, but I do want to be kind of mindful the fact that uh, too many people are getting into a lot of these staple names in order to weather a recession. So there are a couple that are still out there that aren't as inflated in the price, uh, the share price that is on the consumer staples. But it is really hard right now to find the names that are uh, at a fair value. I mean, I'm looking at Pepsi, Coke. Uh, a lot of these different names are just, you know, the PEs are getting stretched so thin and the yields are uh, falling for that as people are buying in them. Yeah, uh, The stock price goes up, the share price or the dividend price goes down. Yes, the, uh, the payment is still the same, but the yield is getting less. So if you're only getting two and a quarter percent, uh, I think a lot of people are going to take that and go into treasury yields or uh, bonds, things that are going to be that fixed income without having that downside risk. So I don't know that it makes a lot of sense to pile into these staple names. Uh, I do think that they're going to weather the storm fine, but I think that the share price could be crushed a little bit more than... Uh, what I kind of previously thought, I think we're getting out of that point where the staples really make sense. So still, um, you know, companies high free cash flow in the right industries, and uh, have that pricing power. We've talked about that way, way back, but I'm still on the camp of those are gonna be a, a great mix. and then I do want to have some cash, right? So for me, i'm I'm both uh, cash. And these uh, high growth type stocks that are going to have that high free cash flow, uh, high pricing power. So I want to have a diversified approach as to what I'm doing in order to be able to take advantage of some of these stocks when they go on sale. But uh, also not have that opportunity cost of being all in cash and not letting my growth stocks or my, uh, you know, the stocks that I think are going to outperform Do better i don't want to be all in one camp and miss out on opportunities in the other one so i guess it's kind of a have your cake and eat it too i want to be in both fields here in order to take advantage of uh, both sets of opportunities i think there are two sets of opportunities from this picture and uh i think it makes sense to try to you know diversify your portfolio enough unless you are strictly a, a a trader or someone who really looks to time the market and really be in cash at specifically the right time and buy perfectly at the bottom of a of a dip, um, which is really hard. It's uh, it's not as easy as you would think. So for me, and I'm I'm kind of speaking, um, do as I say, not as I do, because my cash position is not this high right now. But in a perfect world, I think you might want to have ten to fifteen percent of cash. Uh, and for me, I, I don't have that right now, so I'm I'm looking to see what I can possibly trim in order to get back down or get my cash position up a little bit higher in order to take some of these uh these swings later in the year right now. But um yeah, so that's kind of what I got on the fed. That's kind of my uh two cents as to what's going on out there in that world. But uh also uh, we had I think I went over the savings rate. Yeah, we said the savings rate was uh definitely up. We had Nvidia come out and they had a awesome day yesterday. I think they were, let's look at the five day here. We were at 205, what, two days ago. And yesterday we were at 238. Now we're sitting at 233. So what happened here? Um, Well, someone is saying that their hot streak is far from over. I tend to agree with that. I think they're in that right spot with being in uh, a lot of the AI at the right time. And a lot of the things with uh, the chips, Uh, I still think that NVIDIA is in that perfect spot of being right at the hub of AI, autonomous, robotics, all those things where uh, we really need those chips. Uh, NVIDIA is still there. You know, last year, I think a lot of people got out of the crypto, uh, you know, thinking that the mining chips were the thing that was gonna be the future, and everyone sold off of NVIDIA. So now it seems like uh, they've they've got a lot more room uh, to go in the way of having the right product mix at the right time. So they had a a solid uh, earnings report. I'm trying to pull it up here, but uh, where are we at? Earnings, Uh, yeah, we definitely definitely outperformed. Um, Well, that was Q2, Q1 of 23. We definitely moved up nicely. We had uh, 88 cents EPS, I believe. And I think, yeah, that one, that one was definitely uh, moved up higher, but they had a lot of different reports here that they are in those, uh, those right areas. Uh, conversely, we were looking at lucid and lucid said that they were going to be making a ton of cards this year, earlier last year. But, uh, now when they, um, announced how their progress was looking this year, uh, where are we? I'm going to pull up this number cause I don't want to get it wrong for you. Um, Where is it? Well, I'm having a hard time finding that one, too. Anyhow, they wanted to be making, uh, I believe, 75,000 vehicles this year. And now it looks like they're only going to be making like 16,000. So that is definitely a hit that brought them down. uh, You know, yesterday, while NVIDIA was going up, you know, Lucid was doing the opposite. They were down about 15% at the time that I looked. And it's definitely painful to see these these smaller growth companies have these these high you know, benchmarks set on themselves and then just really not be able to perform. So that is definitely something that is uh, is worth watching on that front. Uh, we've got uh, also Tesla looking to, uh, you know, kind of reclaim the uh, the California market and say that they're going to have the engineering headquarters in. Uh, out there in california which is also kind of a a 40 chess move on elon musk's part uh you know i think last year he got a little bit uh too political on the on the right now he's kind of you know going back to the left saying hey look i'm i'm here to play and uh you know why don't you come back join us and and buy the cars here so i think he's trying to appeal a little bit to everyone even though they already had some uh presence in uh, california they're looking to kind of reignite that fire so definitely a, a 4D chess move. I, I think there's there's a lot of political reasons that he's there and a lot of reasons that he's kind of looking to get back in, in good faith of uh, the people that he kind of left behind last year. But um, yeah, Domino's let's get let's get over to Domino's. That one is on the investing challenge for week nine. And uh man, they they didn't even have that bad of a report. Uh, let's take a look here on Domino's. We were down eleven percent uh after excitement with the last quarter with a refer- re- return to positive comps. Uh, now they are looking like they are back to some positivity but uh, really the 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 forward guidance looked low. The pricing went up. so it almost looks like with those rising prices they don't have that pricing power, but they really had to do it in order to create you know create that margin where they're uh, profitable and have things on the up and up, but uh, they did have to raise prices. So again, pricing power on these companies is massive, and uh, they definitely had the the worst uh, day yesterday on the S and P five hundred, and it's definitely hitting their delivery business. So um, uh, it's definitely something that I want to be you know kind of on the on the up and up about. I, I know we talked about this one being uh one that was raising dividends and one that was uh you know really firing on all cylinders and another way that uh could be a good recession proof uh, stock but you know as they raise their prices uh with everything that's going on in the world it's you know affecting that bottom line so um another one that uh i've kind of kind of laid this out before and this is you know a ways back also was about um buying a stock simply for the for the dividend. And that can definitely uh, turn around to, to bite you if you aren't really paying attention to what's going on out there. And this one comes in the way of Intel. Um, now, where is Intel? I know I got it here. Man, I'm having a rough time finding the, the post when I go to say it right now. But uh, Intel, there we go. Intel, uh, they just cut their quarterly dividend. So they were paying like 5%. Uh, and now that was about 36 and a half cents per share. And now they cut it, uh, by two thirds down to 12 and a half cents per share. So a lot of people were thinking, you know, I'll just park some money in, uh, Intel, wait for that rebound and really, uh, you know, try to capitalize by having this, this solid dividend that was paying us close to, I think like 5%. I'm trying to pull that one up on ETrade right now. But, um, you know that's the thing when you don't have a, a company that's really strong on their dividend or that uh, payout ratio gets a little too stretched you get to the point where these companies cannot continue to pay these elevated 5% yields and yeah they cut it to 1.95%. So that is absolutely drastic because a lot of the reason that people were in Intel was the fact that they had a solid dividend. It was a, a high payer, but apparently they don't have the cash in order to keep these dividends that high. So you still have this stock trading at 13 times PE, which is low, but uh, I'm, I'm going to guess that the, the sales and the revenue have all been declining. I don't really follow Intel too much, but I do want you to be mindful of those payout ratios, that dividend payout ratio. Uh, be mindful of that amount of cash flow that they have coming in and really pay attention to their dividend history from maybe even back in 07, 08, Look back at the history and see if they uh, paid out then, or if uh, things really didn't go so well at that time. Maybe it'd be a reason to not be so heavily invested into, you know, any given name that had to cut their dividends back then. So, uh, just something else I wanted to point out to you guys that uh, might not be, um, you know, as clear cut of a case. And you think you're beating um, you know, something like the treasury yield or the bonds by buying a stock like this but then when they go ahead and cut that dividend, it, uh, it doesn't leave you as many options. You really don't have an out. It doesn't look like they're gonna have a quick rebound. If they did, I don't think that they would have uh, gone ahead and cut these dividends. So really just be mindful. You could set up a stop loss, uh, but for a long-term position, that's definitely hard. So you gotta do your research if you're entering into a long position to know what could potentially happen in any given situation. And uh, one of the reasons I really haven't been too uh, bullish on Intel is because these companies like AMD and NVIDIA, um, you know Qualcomm, other chip companies have been kind of eating their lunch. And uh, they've really lost that market share as uh, AMD really weathered away at it. So just take a look at all the pieces of the puzzle before you go ahead and jump into a name. And, uh, with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to see if I can't get some of these notes together. So I don't have any of these problems in the second half here, but stick around. We're going to get back on track. We're going to be looking at week 10. We're going to be looking at, uh, Brad's top five for, uh, week 10 for the let it grow investing challenge. And, uh, I'm sure we got some more stuff to cover around here. So stick around. I'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back after a quick, quick break. And, uh, I did get some some notes together here and wanted to give you a, a quick update on a couple different things that are going on out there. But uh, first I did want to say that if you need help getting started, I do have links in the description to help get you going with eTrade, trade uh, finance, crypto.com and Webull. And uh, Webull, I know they keep doing uh, some awesome giveaways. If you start an account and put in as little as a dollar, you get up to 12 fractional shares uh, or you always get 12 fractional shares, sorry. And uh, the the amount can vary up to about $30,000. And I know when I signed up, I got probably $50, $60 worth of free stock uh, simply by putting in a dollar. So take advantage of that if you haven't already, and you'll get some free shares. And uh, I think you just have to hold on to them for like a month, and then you can sell them or whatever. But um, I went ahead and sold them. That's how I started funding our uh, Let It Grow Investing Challenge. Uh, for 2022, when I started that, I sold those shares and had some extra money in there to go ahead and get going with. So, uh, if you're trying to do that and follow along, you can, uh, do that over there at Webull. Just use my link in the description. And, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're back at it here. So I did want to update us on the Microsoft, uh, news of Activision Blizzard. The, uh, Microsoft and Nintendo signed a 10 year agreement to make Call of Duty available on all Nintendo devices. So uh, definitely looks like things are progressing there. I'm still not sure how Sony and their PlayStation network wants to look at this one. I know there was some uh, pushback, and uh, it's, it's nice to see that uh, Nintendo and Microsoft have signed a, a deal here to make it available on their platforms. Now, uh, Tesla, their Model 3 now sells for $4,930, less than the average new vehicle sold in the U.S., uh, that does not include the $7,500 EV tax credit, which would bring it to about $12,500 less than the average selling price. So that is definitely uh, something that is bringing these EVs uh, more affordable. We've also got the the Tesla Tesla Investor Week. Uh, we're going to see what kind of new products are rolling out, whether we get uh, updates on the Model 2, the Semi, uh, the Cybertruck, or any of the robotic stuff that they're looking to build. Uh, we will be seeing that this week. So hopefully we got uh, some good information there. Um, then we got uh, Home Depot. I know we had news on there. Yeah, uh, they reported earnings what two days ago, three days ago, and uh, the EPS beat at uh, three dollars and thirty cents uh, against an expectation of three dollars and twenty-seven cents. Revenue of thirty-five point eight billion, missing expectations of thirty-five point nine. So more money made it to the bottom line with less revenue coming in. They raised their quarterly dividend to $2.09 per share, up 10% from their previous dividend of $1.90 per share. So they are just steadily raising these dividends, even though I just saw a report that they might be on the chopping block to start cutting their dividends, but I don't see that happening. Uh, It is a a tough backdrop for these housing companies. Uh, Anything that is tied to real estate, anything... Where people aren't taking as much cash out to, you know, take on a new project, things are a little bit tougher, especially with the the housing starts being down, and uh, you know, there's still a massive amount of uh, demand for new housing, affordable housing, but uh, it seems like it's just not quite uh, panning out right now with the higher interest rates, which uh, ultimately is what the Fed wants. Now, uh, I did want to talk about that too. The the CME Fed Watch tool. Oh, where are we? Uh, About a month ago, there was about 80% of people saying that we were going to get a 25 basis point hike. Only about 2.8% of people surveyed saying we were going to go to a 50 basis point hike. And 16% saying it was going to stay flat. Uh, You know, you fast forward till now and there is 0% chance of no rate hike. About 67% saying that we're going to have a 25 BP hike. And 33% saying, no, we're going to that 50 basis point hike. Now, I am in the camp of 25 basis point hike. That's where we thought we were going to be. That is where I'm staying. I do not think that the Fed is going to go to 50 and flip flop back and forth and lose their credibility on what they said they're going to do. And, you know, maybe they don't pause in May. That is my thought. They might not pause in May. We might get a 25 now and keep raising through May where they thought they might have, be able to pause for then and, and see how things kind of pan out. I'm thinking right now with the news that's coming in, uh, you know, some of the different the factors that are out there, PCE rising, you know, infl- inflation still remaining sticky. I think we're going to get uh, more rate hikes, sustain them for longer, but I don't think that they're going to flip-flop on what they said as they've already had kind of, you know, too many credible credibility strikes against them. I don't think that they're going to do that. I think we're going to get a 25. And uh, basically, they would be saving about five weeks from that extra 25 basis point hike. So I think that's what's probably going to play uh, play out is have more of those hikes uh, out into May, keep the rates higher for longer. And that is kind of what I'm seeing there. So, um, you know, could be wrong, but uh, that is kind of my thought process as to what's going to happen out there. And what else we got? Uh, I did want to get back to some NVIDIA news. They just announced that Jensen Huang will deliver the opening keynote at GTC 2023. Uh, He's going to be covering the latest advancements in generative AI, the metaverse, large language models, robotics, cloud computing, and more. Which uh, really is leading to that uh, resurgence of NVIDIA coming off the lows. And that one really has done well along with uh, Tesla, along with Meta. Uh, a lot of these other companies that are kind of in that right space at the right time, but they also are coming up, off of these, uh, these lows that I don't think that they, they were fairly uh, priced at. So NVIDIA, where are we? Um, 233. Now I do want to kind of bring this up too. week one of 22. We bought NVIDIA, right? We bought it at uh, say $300 and we are still negative on that, uh, on that purchase right now. I did tell you at that time, once NVIDIA dropped, I was going to be buying it in my personal accounts. I I definitely made that clear that uh, I thought it was too cheap. And even though we weren't buying it for the investing challenge every week, I was buying it while it was at a low. Um, So now I am up 17% on those buys that I was making throughout that time. Uh, I did buy on the way down, I bought on the way up. But uh, I think that is a, a, a strong factor or a strong reason to be looking at dollar cost averaging into positions. In the investing challenge, we kind of, you know, we dollar cost average into the market, but uh, we didn't dollar cost average in, into the NVIDIA name directly, right? We kind of went all in week one and, you know, we're still negative. When I'm looking at my, um, my actual E trade account where I hold NVIDIA, uh, let me see the tax lots here. We've got uh, purchases from the 28th of January 2022, and you know, so right after we bought it in the investing challenge, we had it drop massively. So I bought that at uh, 225, and we are up 3.8 percent on that. Now it did drop. Uh, I've got some other negative numbers here. Uh, did buy some and. February of 22. And I'm up about uh, 7% on that. So it's like, you know, you, you take some of the highs and the lows. I bought it on the way down, but I didn't think it was going to stay down forever. So now you kind of fast forward a year later and, you know, to be up 17% in a year when, um, you know, it, it probably lost what, 60% of its value last year from 300 down to, you know, where did it where bottom out at? Let's take a look at that too while we're, we're on the topic here uh i mean back in october it was 108 i'm not sure if that was a low of last year if we if we hit that um sooner than that but even with that being said you know you're buying over that course of time and you start seeing that this is rebounding and uh you know it is a great name it is in the right industries the free cash flow is high it had a lot of the news around you know crypto falling out the mining computers not really being Uh, as needed. Those chips were basically going for pennies on the dollar on the secondary market as they were kind of getting outdated. And not as many people really had the desire to be mining as you weren't making as much money mining the coins uh, for the fact that, you know, the coins weren't as valuable. So in the way of the crypto space. So that's kind of my point. They were in the right spot. There was a lot of noise. A dollar cost average were up 17% versus the Webull portfolio. Let's take a look at that one just out of uh, comparison's sake here. And uh, we'll also take a look at how this portfolio is doing. It is down now. We're down about 7.3% on the Webull portfolio. We did touch positive there for about, I don't know, 20 minutes, and then it kind of went back negative. But um, where is NVIDIA on this list? We've got, uh, we're down 22.7%. So we did buy at 302. And like I said, we're down close to that twenty-three percent. But uh, with that being said, you know we we definitely saw how it can uh, definitely rebound positive by buying those dips. So something to think about if uh, if you're in a name and you really have that long-term conviction, don't uh, don't give up hope on it. Uh, the psychology of money and being in the market is definitely tough, but uh, really sit down and think about your your plans for these stocks before you enter them. So that way you know what you're going to do if they drop 40, 50, 60% without without a plan. It's definitely, it feels like gambling. But if you have a plan ahead of time and you know you want to, you know, dollar cost average, if it hits a 20% down, a 40% down, you can certainly help yourself. So with that being said, let's get back over to the investing challenge for uh, week nine. We had uh, Domino's Pizza. We had deer. We had Lithium America uh corporation, which was LAC. We had Plug Power and we had Datadog. Now for week nine, the uh the population has spoken and we are going to be buying deer. So I definitely like that pick. I, I think again they are uh, you know, that free cash flow is probably pretty strong for them. I haven't looked at, directly at that number, but the uh the numbers do make sense they are in the right areas the pe's a 17.9 the uh autonomous farming the the all the different things that they're getting into with uh with ai and farming i think definitely makes sense uh to have it more automated to to have things a, a little bit more easier to handle it could be a great driver for growth for them and uh you know really kind of keep that business on the up and up of the forefront of what Farming could look like. So, uh, thank you guys for voting. I will be buying deer uh, currently at uh, four hundred and eighteen uh, dollars, and we did hit four hundred and thirty-three dollars after that earnings report. And I, uh, I definitely said that uh, you know, give it a week and it'll settle back down. Uh, it is doing that. It might not be massive, but you know, just today it's down about one point six percent. So it does does give us a little bit uh, better of an entry point than simply buying it right after a positive earnings day. So it did cool down. Uh, some of the volume slowed down and and we got this one or we should be able to get this one at a little bit better of a price on Monday when we buy it. So let's get back over to Brad's top five for week 10. Uh, you know, and let's see what, uh, what you guys think about his approach. And I, I definitely think um, his approach might be a little bit more conservative than mine, but I do like these names. I definitely like these names. The one, uh, the first one here is Waste Management, which um, you know, regardless of what happens in the world, we're, we're always going to have trash to get rid of. And uh, they also own a lot of the different uh, plants that they operate out of, so they do are are tied to real estate. The PE is at a 28. Um, we got a 1.85% dividend on this one. And when I'm looking over at Reuters, where are we here? We'll see if uh, Brad's picks match what uh, what Reuters says here. So we are right in that buy territory. They've got an 80% return over five years. So that's pretty massive. Uh, we've got about 10.4% of upside. Uh, the revenue is looking like it's going to creep up about 5% this year, 10.5% next year. Um, revenue growth, 10% last year. Margins of 11%. Dividend, dividend growth. Nice one, Brad, 13% dividend growth on waste management. And I know that would be a, one of the reasons that you're looking to get this one. Dividend payout, I said that was important, 48.2%. So uh, anything under 60 is really doesn't raise a red flag to me. If it's under 80, um, you might wanna take a look at that company a little bit closer to see if they're gonna have enough cash to uh, go ahead and pay those dividends for a longer time period, or if it's gonna be like Intel and cut the dividend, which is not what we wanna see as a dividend investor but their dividend coverage is a 4.3. So that uh, does lead me to believe that they've got enough cash on the books to pay this dividend. That does not worry me. Um, 1% discount price to sales, 3% discount trailing PE, forward PE, 1% discount. So discounts across the board, not large, but uh, a safe one. And you're getting a, a company that's looking to raise these dividends. So uh, that is number one, Waste, manage, waste Management WM. Uh, number two, is a company that I didn't even know existed. I, I knew that there was a company out there like it, but uh, yeah, Brad brought this one to the table. That company is Stericycle, uh, S-R-C-L. And uh, basically their business is uh, disposing of toxic waste, whether it be uh, a lot of their businesses in and out of hospitals or uh, you know medical uh, facilities, things like that. And Um, I guess Brad said that his grandfather worked for this one for 20, 30 years. And, uh, he does, he did really well with the the stock that he had in this one. So, um, that's why we're taking a look at it. So we are currently trading at $48, 48 cents. Uh, looks like, uh, PE is stretched. We got to see as to why, but, um, what else we got? PE is at a 692. I guess I could leave, leave you with that news as we're wondering why it's so high and what do we have we had a miss by two cents in the on eps a miss on revenue and that came out yesterday uh so earnings of 60 cents per share excluding non-recurring items two percent worse than the s p consensus uh, revenues rose two percent year over year to 670 million versus the 698 million consensus so uh, it rose, but, uh, not as much as what people thought, probably something to do with the slowdown in, uh, in COVID or in contaminants that, uh, they're not doing as much testing, things like that might have a, an effect on how much, uh, the company Stericycle is, uh, doing business this year. So, uh, still nice to see a rise even with, uh, you know, conditions maybe getting a little bit worse out there, uh, overall on that, uh, That COVID front, well, worse for them, better for the world. But uh, when I'm looking at the price targets, we did have an upgrade over the last uh, 120 days. We've got uh, a price target of 26.8% to the upside, which is uh, it's definitely nice to see that one on this. uh, This more of a growth company does not offer a dividend, but um, we are still seeing forecasted growth this year of about six and a half percent. So we'll see if they can meet those numbers. Uh, Where are we on price to sales? Um, And this one, I kind of already knew the price to sales is a 1.9. That's not so hateful. The S&P 500 is a 2.2, 13% discount to the S&P, 9% premium to their average. Uh, The trailing PE is 100% plus premium to their five-year average of a 77. And as I said, it's a 788. So that is definitely uh, raises some red flags over what happened. And why that trailing PE is so high, but now when I look at a forward uh, PE, we are sitting at a 23.8, which I can certainly wrap my head around that. The five-year average is a 21 uh, times PE, so that's a 13 percent premium. Uh, but it is about 29 percent higher than the S and P 500 index, which is an 18.4. So that is there cycle? I definitely see, uh, you know, that they had some some definite monstrous years, uh, you know, through the COVID cycle and uh we got to see what's going on that uh, that that pe was so stretched um you know for this past year but uh next one was land was the ticker land and that is gladstone land Corp. and uh let's take a look at what they do as as you know well they they are trading at a yearly low on on the day so that is uh could be a good entry point. We'll have to see as to why it is trading that low. But you get about a 3.15% dividend. You've got, uh, let's take a look at the company overview. Eh, it doesn't have a company overview. I do know that they own land. I know that they own the farming land and they lease it out to farmers. That's what we had talked about on Wednesday's episode. And uh, triple net lease. So it is a REIT. They are going to pay you, um, you know, based on the amount of money that they're bringing in on the property that they... Uh, that they do end up leasing out and the farmers pretty much pay all the taxes, all the uh, everything else that is associated with that property. So I do like that type of business. I do think that uh, farming is definitely needed. And, uh, you know, we're, we're constantly, you know, worried about food supply, especially through COVID and through all the different economic, you know, crises that we've got going on and food prices going through the roof. Uh, So definitely farmland is going to be critical and uh, yeah, it does have a buy rating on Reuters. We are pretty, pretty firm in the buy rating. Five-year return of about 48%, call it. Uh, we've got price targets of 41.4% higher from where we are now. Uh, so that is a definite upside. Couple that with your three and you know a 10th dividend and you're sitting at what, uh, 44.5% of upside. So definitely one that uh, strikes a, a lot of boxes there. We've got 20% forecasted revenue growth for 2024. And we are trading at a, a discount on price to sales. And doesn't have any information on the trailing PE or forward PE, but that uh, discount on the price to sales and uh, 41% upside sounds pretty nice to me. And uh, we're not making any more land. So that could definitely be one that is worth looking at For week 10. So that is number three. Number four, we are looking at Cisco Foods, not uh, CSCO, which is the IT company. We are looking at SYY, S Y S C O, Cisco. Um, So they are going to be a food company that is going to be delivering to uh, colleges, hospitals, uh, you know, a lot of different restaurants. And that is their business. They deliver it on that commercial level. And uh, you're getting about a 2.5% dividend here, PE of about 27 times. What else are we getting? We are going to look at the Reuters report here as well. Um, there's a lot of different reports out there. I like Reuters for the, the fact that I know where most everything is on these reports. I did get that question, you know, why Reuters? Well, um, some of them are more geared towards trading. Uh, market edge is more geared towards trading. Uh, Reuters is simply you know, the facts of what you're looking at now, where it tr- traditionally trades. And that's one of the reasons I always look at this one. But um, you got about 13% of, of uh, upside on uh, Cisco, S-Y-Y. We've got uh, forecasted growth for 23 of about 11% up, 24 about 15% higher on annual revenue. Revenue growth for 22 was 21 Yeah, 21%, definitely nice. Dividend growth, about 4.3%. Uh, that dividend payout, getting a little bit higher. We are at uh, right at 70%. So we definitely wanna look at that number. They do have dividend coverage of about 2.5 times, but um, we wanna make sure that they have enough cash coming in in order to cover these, uh, these dividends that they are paying out. So that is... Uh, Something we want to do a little bit more digging into. We do have a price to sales that is remarkably low. We are sitting at a 0.5. Now, their five year average is a 0.7. So they do historically trade lower than the SP, but uh, they are at a further discount to that right now. We are at a 40% discount on trailing PE. We are at a 27% discount on forward PE. So definite discounts there. I'm a little bit concerned about that dividend payout ratio um the 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 growth looks okay to me the price targets look okay to me um you're getting decent you know a two and a half percent yield so you're getting some upside you're buying at a decent price but it could be a hard time for this industry that could be part of the problem i don't know how that pricing power looks on cisco i would imagine they're pretty well locked into most of these contracts so it might not be a pricing power it's probably going to be more on that labor side the the cost of material side i think that's where some of their uh, the shortfall is right now is in the fact of the uh, the pricing on materials and labor that is probably where a lot of their problems are going to be coming in but uh, they are trading cheaper than normal uh that is definitely something that i you know definitely catches my eye and uh something that is worth noting and uh some some reason to a, a lot of reasons here to buy cisco I, I don't know that we're going to have these problems forever they're going to be revising these contracts if they roped into a two or three year deal that says they can only raise it two percent or three percent for these customers are there of theirs i think uh you know as they're renewing these contracts they're probably going to be revising their pricing strategy as uh you know food prices have gone absolutely crazy in the past three years um, so that could have some effect as to why Cisco prices are, uh, are down or their, their margins are a little bit lighter, uh, could be some of the contracts and that material pricing of raw material pricing in order to get those products delivered to their customers. So last one is, uh, going to be in that lumber space. And, uh, this would be a, a, a great reason, you know, a lot of the ones that we're talking about in the way of consumer staples. They are so high because everyone is kind of crowding into them. This was probably going to be one that I think that people are getting away from, uh, you know, as lumber prices have come down well into last year. Um, you know, we've definitely seen this one trade down with it. Uh, it did go up to a high of forty one point six, and now we're trading at thirty dollars and sixty one cents. Now that name is Weyerhaeuser. And uh, the ticker is WY. Uh, so, you know, when, I, when I'm looking at that and when I'm looking at names that haven't really uh, reached their potential, this one is is kind of falling off with the way that uh, housing is slowed down, housing starts have slowed down. Home Depot and Lowe's are saying that there's less demand for a lot of these big uh, projects, which leads to a lot of less demand for lumber. So the uh, the price earnings is trading at a 12 We've got uh, about a 2.4% dividend. What else do we got here on Reuters? Let's take a look again. We've got uh, buy ratings. They do have a negative five-year return, which is uh, not a great thing to see, but uh, the one-year return trumps the, uh, well, the the one-year return is a negative 19. So we are down more in this past year than we've been up over the past five. But uh, they do own massive amounts of land. I believe that was 11 million acres when we looked at it the other day. And I believe they also managed 14 million acres in Canada, I believe is what those numbers were off the top of my head. But um, no changes in, in uh, upgrades or downgrades in the last 120 days. But we do have about 20% of upside from 10 different analysts uh, so that is definitely nice to see that people are thinking that uh, the the next uh, twelve months is going to be brighter than where we are right now. And I do think that uh, once these rates kind of stabilize, we're going to have a better feeling as to who's going to be buying or building. Or you know, it's it's definitely hard for these builders to buy a piece of land at uh, at one rate. You know, they have to borrow in order to buy all the properties in a lot of cases. And then you know when the people are actually looking to purchase the house if the the interest rates spike up three four five percent uh, it's going to be a harder sell so they're not looking to buy as much but once we stabilize uh, I think people are going to be like uh, okay well I can afford to buy this land turn it into a, a house on on that property and then sell it at a similar rate and not have a uh, you know be stuck with the property and the payment on the land so uh, I do think that the, the system or the, the real estate market will start seeing some changes from that. And, uh, I definitely think that, uh, overall, uh, this could be a good time to acquire a lot of these stocks that no one's really paying attention to. So, uh, they might not have that pricing power. Uh, actually they, they probably do. Cause you know, when I was looking back, uh, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, it didn't matter what prices on two by fours. You, you couldn't. Uh, you know, couldn't buy them quick enough. But now uh, it looks like with the market and things slowing down that uh, that has definitely impacted them. But uh, when the economy returns, I think that they're still going to be able to get what they need out of their product. So dividend growth, 5.9%. Dividend payout, 28.5%. We've got um, 22% discount on price to sales, 60% discount on trailing PE. Their five-year average is a 30 This is a a steal on that metric. So we are 60% discount on the trailing PE. But uh, on that forward level, we are trading at a 35.5. On a five-year average, we are normally at a 30.4. So we are at a 17% premium on that metric. So we're going to really have to take a look at uh, where earnings are going in the future. Really try to decide if getting it at that 12% uh times pe is going to be a a good spot to buy it uh and then you know hopefully have these uh these prices rebound from there but um yeah that's what i got we've got waste management stericycle l-a-n-d we've got uh cisco s-y-y wirehauser w-y uh i forgot to mention the first three names waste management stericycle uh land no for, sorry i forgot to mention the first three tickers W-M-S-R-C-L, Land. S-Y-Y-W-Y. So that's what I got for you guys today. Um, But uh, yeah, make sure you get over there to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. Get your votes in for week 10. I will be buying DEER, ticker DE, on Monday. We'll be adding that one to the Investing Challenge portfolio. Uh, We're really gonna try to see what uh, this S&P numbers are gonna be doing. I will continue to buy through it. As I said, dollar cost averaging on the way down can certainly be a a great way to build a long-term hold. And uh, with that being said, that's all I got for you guys today. So thank you very much for stopping by, and I will catch you in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on ETrade, Webull, crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.